Okay, <clears throat> we're going to talk about uh, the benefits of fearing the Lord. So that, uh, yeah, there are certain benefits attached to a proper attitude toward God. I guess that that's really what, what uh, I guess, fearing the Lord would, would mean is the proper attitude toward God. There are so many things that we can hold in high esteem. And uh, I think God is the, the best to hold in that kind of esteem and, and to build your life around uh, respect and a, a high admiration for God and acknowledgement of him in everything that you do. Um, so we need to start off by talking about what, it, what the Bible means when it talks about fearing the Lord. Um, to fear really means exactly that. There's a, a terror and a dread that comes with fear. And there is a place where that attitude toward God is appropriate, especially when there's very little or no knowledge of God. A high level of respect and a high level of fear. Uh, and, and then there is a dread of God because if you're not walking with God, uh, there is a, a not so, you're not so anxious for uh, to have any kind of relationship with him or, or to come into his presence or anything like that. Uh, and I think that should always be a part of what's taught, um, even to Christians, because um, it seems that when people make mistakes, they make them on the other side. They err on the reverse side of it in that sometimes they kind of take God for granted. And there's not enough reverential respect and awe for God sometimes in the way that we we deal with things um the way we treat one another is an indication of of our level of respect for god how we feel by about god is reflected in our our relationships you know the bible says if you say you love god whom you haven't seen and you hate your brother whom you have you know how can you really say that and so there is a a reflection of our our reverence and our fear of god in the way that we view other individuals, review God's creation, uh, the way we treat uh, lesser animals and, and things like that, 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 it all reflects on how we feel toward God. Now, there are some people who who want to worship animals and don't think one thing about God. Now, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about the respect that we give God for creating things on this earth that He gave us to enjoy. We should. Be good stewards and take care of them. Uh, we should uh, be able to show God good stewardship in the way that we, we treat everything. And that is an attitude of fear and reverential awe and respect for God. It, it, the fear does mean to be reverent. To revere something means to hold it in high esteem. Ministers we always refer to as reverend. So that is a, a a term that comes is delegated onto God's servants because they carry the spirit of God and they do the work of God in the earth, and so that's why they're referred to as reverend, or pastor or some other designation. But the term reverend always is made in reference to something that belongs to God. So that person, that office is to be revered, and that person is to be respected and revered. 
you know oftentimes people say well we respect the office you know you know that's kind of a cop-out for treating people bad and disrespectful sometimes because that person there is a person in that office and god that person is dedicated dedicated their life to the service of god and the service of god's people and so for that reason they are to be revered as you would god do it in the fear of the lord Uh, the word also means to frighten there is an awesome fear of god you know we see that in the old testament especially when God would would uh, visit the people, He would always warn them a day in advance. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what He tell them, "Sanctify yourselves, because I'm coming through tomorrow." Put away the cards, the cigarettes, the huh, and get yourselves together. Don't be caught doing anything wrong, because I'm coming through. And so they were glad for people like Moses who loved being God's servant and being in the presence of the Lord. But, you know, when God first met Moses, it wasn't real, you know, touchy-feely warm. It was a fear because Moses saw a bush that burned and wasn't consumed. And so he, in fear, turned aside to see what that burning bush was all about. So there was a terror there and a, a fright there. You know, God came to him in a frightening manner. You know, if if your house were on fire and it weren't consumed, you know what I'm saying, you'd be a little scared. And so God would show up in those ways because that's part of God's nature and character. He has to strike a certain amount of fear in our hearts so that the, the reverential respect for his power will be there. And he will show up in the way that he needs to show up to establish his character with us and establish who he is. And so there's always that when when god we talk about god because god is the final judge of all humanity and so we have to fear judges because we have to obey them and respect them and we don't do everything right all the time and so there has to be that concept of a a, a dread or fear because we respect that this person can judge us one way or the other there has to be that sense there. If there is not that there with God, then what is there that's going to cause us to obey? If he had no power, you understand what I'm saying, to kill and make alive, he didn't have the power to bless or curse. You see, if he didn't have all power, then why would we respect him? If he couldn't do everything, he wasn't in total control of our lives. I know a lot of times charismatic preachers like to preach that God, uh, God's not capable of doing. Well, he can do anything he wants to do. You understand what I'm saying? He can do anything but lie. And his word seems to include that he does have all power. And so uh, he has the power to heal. And if healing doesn't come through the hand of God, you will die. You understand what I'm saying? So death must be in his power as well. You see what I'm saying? So it doesn't make me feel any more comfortable about God to strip him of anything that he possesses. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'd rather have him have all power. I'd rather have the power in God's hands than to have it in the devil's hands. Because God I know I can go to and you can trust. The devil, huh? And so knowing that all power is vested in him gives us an awesome kind of a fear and a a great terror of him. To fear also means to alarm. 
or to make to shake or make to tremble. It means to stand in awe. And that is with your mouth open without words to say. Sister Etter, who was a preacher uh, in the late 1800s and early 1900s, they say uh, set up a tent across from the um, uh, St. Louis World's Fair, which I think was in 1901. It was in the early, early 20th century. It was probably around that time. And... um, while people, they had so many millions of people go visit the, the World's Fair in St. Louis that year. And she was preaching. They said and in the middle of her sermon, she just stood there with her finger pointed up. And she was suspended like that for something like a whole day or longer. And as people began to hear about it across the street in the World's Fair, so that many people came by to see Sister Etter. They said she was a big, bigger exhibit than they ever had at the World's Fair. See what I'm saying? And when she came out of that trance, she just continued the sermon, just stopped right in the middle where it was. That's the awesome power of God. You see what I'm saying? If he can do that to one of his servants, you know, who's obedient to him, think what he can do to anybody else he wants to do. See what I'm saying? So it's good for us not to diminish God in his power. That's all I'm trying to get you to say. See, is that we have to have this reverential fear of God this understanding that he is one to be feared to to fear also means to worship because anyone that you're concerned about how they'll use their power you will seek to want to to please them see what I'm saying you want to go to them in the right way with the right level of respect the right level of adoration the right level of of reluctance to move in. You don't just rush in like you've got God in your pocket or something. You know, you enter in into the presence of God, the Bible says, through thanksgiving in your heart. And there that makes you acceptable to the Lord. The spirit of thanksgiving comes from Christ who has made us acceptable or made us fit or made us able to come into the presence of the the Father. And so Jesus is our door to go in to have access to the presence of God. Never take it for granted, the presence of God. You know, never come into an assembly where God's ministering and start buzzing and having a little separate conversation or, you know, that kind of thing. That, That really is disrespectful to the Lord. And sometimes we push it as much as we can, you know, with some of the things that we do. Uh, we push it enough, you know, the, the reverence attitude. Always respect that when God sets up an altar, it is so that he can minister to his people. That there are sacrifices of the flesh that must be made so that we don't exercise our flesh as much as we would like to. You understand what I'm saying? That kind of thing. I know Norval Hayes was talking about. Uh, once he uh, he said God wanted to do miracles in one of his meetings. And he said, I don't want anybody standing and I don't want anybody speaking. He said, because when I come through and do these things, I must get all of the glory. See what I'm saying? And And that's how, because no human being can stand up and say, I prayed or I laid hands on somebody or you know what I'm saying. Sometimes even the way that we describe God's power and how it's ministered 
you know will say things like um so and so got healed well they didn't get healed come on jesus healed them and you know you see what i'm saying the way we describe it it diminishes the awesomeness there's no fear of god involved in those things even though we think we're giving god glory when we now we all say that you know we know people it's very common to say that instead of saying god healed them you know and they were healed by the power of god or something like that or jesus healed them um we'll say they got healed or you got your healing kind of thing like we're taking it from somewhere or we don't know where it comes from and so when we give glory to god we must make sure that there is this fear of god evident in what we say and our attitude uh to toward him so to fear someone also means we said to shrink back through intimidation but in a way desiring to draw near so this is the way we feel toward god we want to be in his presence but then what does that cost us there's a a reluctance to fully enter into the presence of god and as we enter into the presence of god we are changed and we know that we're changed you kind of lose something of yourself in the relationship well that's true of any relationship if you're going to get along with somebody or you're going to learn to get to know people and work with them and so forth you can't assert yourself in every way that you might want to assert yourself you have to respect that individual what the way they feel about things and so that's that has to be extended toward the lord as well desiring to draw near but pulling back to wait for the invitation to come in and come closer that's an example of fear of the lord or the reverential respect so really it's an attitude of respect and gratitude for the relationship is a fear of the lord obedience to what god commands is probably the greatest expression of the fear of the lord that we can offer worship for sure worship calls upon his presence worship acknowledges him as god you know if you don't worship god you worship something because man was made to worship mostly we worship other people because they're made in the image of god you know we seek to please people we seek the favor of people we seek the endorsement of people simply because they are made in god's image so we're always seeking that affirmation that we need to get from someone that we hold in higher esteem than we hold ourselves oftentimes the awesomeness and the fear that we need to get from god or to give to god can be usurped from him by other individuals in our lives people who have and influence in the way god would have the influence sometimes if if, say if someone uh, is a provider in your life sometimes that will steal some of the reverence of god from him you know so we do have to be careful how we look upon other individuals in our lives that may even be instruments of god's will and god's blessing in our life and we have to be careful that we don't push god out of the focus and focus totally on the individual that's why sometimes god will switch up on us he'll use a person 
this way one time and this way next or the person that he really wants us to trust and respect we feel it totally untrustworthy you see what i'm saying just to test to see if we're really looking at him the one who's the power behind what we do instead of looking at it and there we go we got to shake ourselves and refocus and say oh man i missed it again that's not god this is god you see what i'm saying and extend your worship and praise to him again and reestablish your covenant with him so that's what worship and, and fear really mean and it entails all of those concepts of awesome of of being stunned by a person's majesty and their power and and awestruck at the fact that they would want to relate to you and have you in their presence so there's a a place where you feel very small compared to god but there is a place in christ where you know it's not robbery to consider yourself equal with god in some things he can use you uh, to demonstrate his power his love his goodness his mercy uh, sometimes even to demonstrate his judgment and correction in some situations and so you can can know and you can step into that uh, from time to time but there still is this basic relationship that we have to have the relationship that that he wants us to have with him is the foundation of it is this reverential fear and this awesomeness and so there are certain <clears throat> benefits to fearing the lord psalm 111 and verse 10 tells us that the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom one of the other psalms says it's the beginning of knowledge wisdom and knowledge are very close they're interrelated knowledge the bible says puffs you up so when you humble yourself and seek wisdom that goes along with knowledge then you know how to apply that which you know accurately so wisdom is the accurate application or appropriate application of knowledge knowing facts for the sake of knowing facts is vanity it's called the vanity of knowledge so wisdom and knowledge go hand in hand knowledge comes from god but wisdom does also wisdom is a deeper understanding so a good understanding is what comes from fearing the lord people who have a respect for god understand a lot of stuff they're very wise people they're not pushovers they're not inadequate or silly but they're very wise individuals so it says a good understanding have all they that do his commandments so here you see the fear of the lord and doing what god commands are the same thing so that is another definition of what it means to fear the lord so it says holy and reverend is his name so whenever we revere god call him holy blameless then when you call god holy that means you don't blame him for anything people who blame god you know lack understanding they lack the fear of the lord 
to point the finger at God as being a bad person means that they don't really fear God. There's no reverence. It just God is just somebody that they they keep on the side when things go wrong so that they don't have to be responsible or blame themselves, hold themselves accountable. So God becomes more or less a, an easy escape for their shortcomings or something like that. And you'll find that a lot of times where people are really ignorant of God or if they're in some kind of false religion where they're taught that God is only capable of doing evil. He's not capable of doing good. See what I'm saying? Now God doesn't, he's not the author of evil, but he can stop it or he doesn't have to stop it. So that makes him in power over it. He stops it based on how we respect him. So he'll come to bat for us as we respect him. In Psalm 112, which is right down from that, it talks about the blessings of fearing God. He said, blessed is the man that fears the Lord, Psalm 112.1. And fearing him means to delight greatly in his commandments. Not just certain ones that we think are going to help us out in a pinch. But we want to delight greatly in all of his commandments. It says here, the first blessing is that your children will be mighty upon the earth. Now, why would God mention that thing first? Why would he mention that your seed would be mighty upon the earth? Well, if your kids are mighty, that doesn't skip you, does it? See, it establishes the the overabundance of God in the way that he deals with things. Whenever you see an exceptional mention of something like that, you know, what it, what the psalmist is saying is that you're going to be so blessed, even your kids are going to get it. See what I'm saying? Your life is going to be so great, it's going to fall over onto your offspring. Hmm? So it doesn't mean that you're left out. It means that there's so much goodness in your life that your children are going to catch it. huh? You're going to feel it down to your seed. And that means children, grandchildren, however far your seed goes. huh? They will be mighty upon the earth. Huh? He says the generation of the upright will be blessed. I mean, every generation of your children will be blessed. And there's not going to be anything wrong with your. You don't have to worry about yours. You can go to sleep at night. I don't care what condition your seed's in right now. It's seeds are seeds, folks. They got to grow, huh? They're all in growth process. <laughs> so all you got to do is keep serving God. You keep sowing. You keep watering those little seeds at you, huh? See, the reason the enemy gets us to looking at seeds in progress. Huh? You ever seen a seed when it sprouts? You get some of those little kits that you can throw water on certain things, and they don't look like much. Got a little green shoot sticking out of it, and well, maybe yours is green shoot right now, huh? Or put some more water on, and keep blessing that seed because a beautiful flower will come out of it at some point. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a a seed is a seed. It's not fully matured yet. It's not what it's going to be at the end of its maturity. And so you have to trust that God has this for you. You may not see all of it. You understand what I'm saying? But you have that assurance even into your last breath 
that your seed will be made. You just keep worshiping God because it depends on you to continue to serve him and do his commandments. And God is faithful. He's faithful. It doesn't matter. You know, people say crazy things like, well, people have to want God. Well, I get news for you. Everybody does. That's why they look at things that they think are God and and give that worship to something crazy. So they want him. And you don't know what's in a person's heart anyway. You see what I'm saying? And so, but you don't, you can't figure out how this is going to happen. You just see you have an outcome here that God says the generation of the upright shall be blessed. And that means every generation. Huh? Every generation of the upright shall be blessed. And more than that, wealth and riches will be in your house. And they are there now. Huh? Very often they're in seed form. The wealth and the riches that you have in your house sometimes are in seed form. And as you walk with God and you worship God and you serve God, then they'll grow too. Huh? The wealth and the riches that you already possess will grow. It will shock you sometimes what God, what did the widow woman have? Nothing but a pot of oil. Didn't look like much. But after God began to touch it, she had wealth and riches in her house. She said it herself. She said, my husband was your servant. And he feared God. And that means that we're entitled to be taken care of. And she found that wealth and riches were in her house already when she began to cry out to God and worship God and and obey the man of God, obey God's commandments. She found the wealth and riches were already there, just needed to be activated. He says, unto the upright there arises light in darkness. Problems? Problems are just dark areas that light hasn't been shed on yet that's all that is there's there's a, an answer underneath that problem darkness is hiding the answer from you there is a solution to everything that comes forth in your life and light comes to you or revelation or the answer comes to you as you reverence and worship god Just don't quit serving God. Just keep serving God. Keep doing what God has commanded you to do. It says the upright is gracious and full of compassion and and righteous. A good man shows favor and lends and he will guide his affairs with discretion and not be moved forever. He will not be moved forever. In other words, if God tells you something. And he establishes you in something. He promises you something. You won't be moved. You can try and move yourself and God won't let you budge. Huh? How many times we say, God, I'm sick of praying for this. I give up. And here you are again. Huh? (laughs) Why? Because your heart is fixed. The Bible says you trust in God. See? Who else you go? Who you going to go to? You leave God where you going to go. <laughs> you can't pray to anybody else. If you do, they lock you up. Huh? They sure will. So you're stuck. you got to continue to trust him. Once this process is started, you cannot stop it. So you've got to stay with the Lord. That fear of the Lord, once it comes in, it's established in your life. You ain't going nowhere. You fall out with God and quit speaking to him and think you're going to not speak to him. And then somebody will start playing some music or your little favorite, your little favorite, uh, get your praise on song. 
or the Holy Spirit will start humming it in your head. That's what really gets you. And you wonder where that <laughs> I didn't want to praise God today. Where did that song come from? Huh? He gets you every single time. He gets you every time. I used to get mad at my husband. I could stay mad for days and not speak to him. Because I was just one of those kind of persons. I get real, real withdrawn sometimes. You know, I grew up when God, God got a hold of me. But, you know, sometimes I could just go for days. I was Miss Angle speak no more. Because I remember when we were dating, he called me. I hadn't talked to him in a couple of weeks. He said, you wouldn't go speak to me no more again in life, were you? I said, you got it. <laughs> when the girl is done, she done you know what i'm saying but but you know there would always something would always happen where i would forget to be mad see this is what what would get me huh i'm supposed to be mad what happened huh well your heart is touched you know and, and you can't go back on what's in your heart so you're already in love with jesus you're not going nowhere huh you're not going anywhere proverbs 14 tells you something else good in verse 2 it says he that walketh in uprightness feareth the lord when you begin to straighten up your life that's a sign of fearing god that's where that comes from you see a lot of times people when they when they start before they get converted to the Lord, you'll see them try to fix up little wrong things in their life. You know, they're and one of they'll start wanting to maybe go to church, or start doing right things toward people. Hmm? Sometimes, too, people once they're newly converted, they'll want to go around and make things right with everybody. You know, make up with people and all that kind of stuff. Well, walking upright is a sign of the fear of the Lord because you fear not doing right because you know God's against it. He's against wrong things, and you sense that, and so you seek to correct it. That's, that's part of fearing God. And in verse 6, it says, Knowledge is easy to him who understands the Lord or who understands God. Amen? So knowledge comes easy to a person who fears the Lord. It's just when you seek God, when you seek the Lord, and you understand God, then a lot of things will come to you in a very, very secure and a very, very easy way. It's just so you have a pipeline to him. You have an open door to him. You have easy access into the mind of Christ. In, other, in, in fact, that is your inheritance. You possess the mind of Christ. So you can get answers from what's in God's mind at any time anytime and you don't struggle with things it's just real easy for you and proverbs 14 and verse 26 it says in the fear of the lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge so your worship in obedience to god provides a hiding place and a way of escape for your children a refuge for your children. Just you deciding that you're going to serve God and be consistent with it. Show him the respect that, that he's due. Your kids can be arrested. <laughs> you know, stay in jail overnight. And not be phased in any way. 
you know, everybody else will get, you know, intimidated or whatever, whatever. And yours will be just resting comfortably. You know what I'm saying? And not harmed in any way simply because you fear God. And this is another scripture. You'll be at such peace it'll fall on your kids. No matter what they're into, it'll fall on them. Hmm? If your respect and your obedience to God is right. Now there are people, you know, I know they are Christians all the time that have bad experiences. Kid got killed in a car wreck. Kid, do they worship and reverentially fear God? Is their relationship such with God that they trust him, that their heart is fixed in him? Or are they always afraid something bad's going to happen to that kid because they don't understand that their re- response to God determines what falls on their seed? See, when you have a covenant with God, it's from generation to generation. This is what you've got to understand. It doesn't matter. You know, then you see these parents that have the worst kids in the world. And it seems like they're always getting away with something. You know what I'm saying? Huh? Well, these people got some scriptures. They read these scriptures and believe them. So you've got to believe that there is a protection that comes to your offspring because of your relationship to God. You've got to believe that that holds true for you. In other words, we take on his confidence. Hmm? When you worship him, see, there's a transformation that takes place. When you obey God's commandments, when you obey his word, that gets on the inside of you. When you meditate on his word, that word gets on the inside of you. And there's a transformation that takes place in you that gives you confidence in God. You don't think he's ever going to do anything, any harm to you. You're like Job. <laughs> he can kill me. I'm still trusting him. Hmm? I ain't going to let you kill me, devil. I know this much. huh? But I still trust God. I don't care what he does. Whatever he does, it's, it's wise. You know, when Abraham was willing to kill his son Isaac, he lifted the knife up over that boy. And as he lifted it up, God showed him the sacrifice that he was going to substitute for his son. Well, the Bible says Abraham saw him raised up in a figure. Huh? It didn't say God showed him. He just said he's, he probably imagined, eh, if I kill him, God's going to raise him up. He promised me many seed from this kid. We don't have no seed from him yet. Hmm? And so that's how much he trusted God. You've got to trust God and not hold anything back from him, folks. That's what trusting him really means. You've got to serve him in good times and bad. You've got to serve him when he's coming through for you and when he ain't coming through for you. you just got to make up your mind you're going to serve God. And that's the best way to do. That is reverence and, and respect for God. Um, so it's a refuge for your children. Worship is the confidence of God. We take on his personhood as we worship and obey him. Proverbs 14:27 says the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And it causes you to depart from the snares of death. So when you fear God, life is springing up in you on a consistent basis. It's a fountain of life. In other words, worshiping and obeying God sustains his life in you. Causes it to gush up on the inside of you. The Bible says out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And so as we give ourselves over to him, that worship comes forth. 
that wellspring of water gushes forth out of us. Talking about his spirit that comes forth out of believers. That's the fountain of life. So when we're connected with God, his life is transferred into us and then pours forth out of us. So it's a wonderful thing to belong to the Lord. It's a never-ending fountain. A fountain means something never ends. It's kind of got no beginning and it's got no end. You just jump into the middle of it. It's just always springing forth. So you don't have to prime God's pump. You don't have to get him in a good mood to... You know, rain on me, Holy Spirit, rain on me. Come on down, come on down, send it on down. It's already down. See what I'm saying? It's already here. All you have to do is jump into the middle of the pool and begin to swim in God. So it's a wonderful thing. And Psalms 25 and verse 12 says, What man is he that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. So one of the benefits of fearing God is that he chooses your life. That means you don't have to come up with any ideas anymore. And you think, well, that's great because I'm fresh out of them. Huh? Amen? And so God will teach you <laughs> which way to choose. Huh? He'll choose a way for you, and then he'll teach you that way. So you don't ever have to be perplexed. How will I know what God wants me to do? And how do I know if this, how do I, how do I, how do I, how do I? Well, he'll teach you. You know, just keep going back to the teacher. Keep worshiping him. Keep studying and reading his word. That's the most important way to learn God's ways. Because he guides you through his word. It's the way he does it. It says again. Verse 13, his soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth. In other words, you will be at such peace it will fall on your kids. It will be an inheritance for your children. Again and again, God reassures you that it's not just for you. But he looks at the ones that you hold dear as well. Psalm 25:14, it says, the secret of of the Lord is with them that fear him. Things that perplex people, you will have the answer to when you fear and obey God. Anything that's a secret will be released to you because you you love him and you reverence him. So things will be open to you that are closed to other people. You know, people sometimes when you minister or you teach people well how do you know that because the secret of the lord is with those who fear him you see what i'm saying and you'll see sometimes you'll see preachers that always get revelation from god then you'll see some who borrow others revelation and preach off revelation that somebody else got you know that's just real common in Christendom. And some people are really afraid to seek God for revelation because nobody else out there is saying that but them. You see what I'm saying? And so you would those who get the revelation are those that have the relationship with God. They re, they fear God, they go to him for answers. They don't try to come up with their own answers, but they wait patiently for God to provide the understanding. So the secret of, of the Lord is with those that fear him. So he will tell us secrets. If we uh, worship him 
and we respect him. Psalm 19 verse 9. It says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Sign of everlasting life, the sign that a person is born again is how they respect God and how they obey God. And it's clean and it endures forever. Anything that's pure will last forever. Anything that's got sin on it, sin's going to be judged and destroyed. But the fear of the Lord really cleanses us. And it causes what we do to last forever. It says the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Whenever God judges a situation or judges a person, it's the right thing to do. It may cause sometimes people to be upset or people to be disappointed. But it is always the right thing to do. God's never wrong. Psalm 31 and verse 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness which you have laid up for them that fear you. Which you have wrought for them that trust in you before the sons of men. Now God has laid up goodness for those that fear and obey him. Nothing but good things are coming your way. The Bible says that God says I know the thoughts that I have toward you. Thoughts to give you an expected end. Thoughts to give you hope. My thoughts toward you are good continually. He never has a thought. Hmm. I wonder what would happen to her if I did so. so, so uh, uh, his thoughts toward us are good all the time. Uh, and he's trying to get us to focus on what he thinks about us and quit being afraid of what the devil says that he's going to do. Because he will certainly bless those who are close to him and who love him and who fear him. So that was Psalm thirty-one, nineteen. His goodness is laid up for us. Nothing but goodness. When you get a vision from God, it should always be of something good. You should never see a train wreck or a car accident. Or You understand what I'm saying? Those things come from the dark side. That's not good. If you don't want to be involved in it, you know it's not God. It's not good for you. And so many times people will... Now, it doesn't mean that certain things like that won't happen to you. See, there's a difference between what's laid up for you, what's planned for you, what's stored up for you, and what happens to you. Now, there are many things that happen to us that are not God's design. See? And we know that there are many things that happen to us that are not God's design. Why is it that we don't get everything God has for us? Cause maybe because we don't believe it. Hmm? We don't seek God for it. We go our own way or we get deceived by the enemy into thinking it's God. Sometimes we step out presumptuously, presuming it's God. Or sometimes we have a a feeling it's not God and we do it anyway. We move out in doubt and we expect God to bless and honor and bring good anyway. Well, he eventually will bring good because he says he can work them out and work them around to you. So eventually they do work out good. 
So that's the assurance we have there. But his plan for us has been good all along. But that donates that you obey him and you do what he tells you to do. Disobedience is always sin. It's always sin. And it will always bring destruction toward us. But the Bible says that he is a present help in our time of trouble. So we can call on God to bail us out. We can get God to help us in our time of need. That does not mean that he cannot help us. But he would much rather we learn to walk in obedience to him. And as you walk in obedience, then the good things are on that pathway. You don't have to go running off looking for them everywhere. You don't have to go here, there, and everywhere trying to work things out so that you get good things. They're already laid up for you. And you obey your way into the goodness of God. You don't just stop doing what you're doing and try to think of something that you can do to make God bless you with that now. Huh? You live a simple life of obedience and worship and fearing God. And you trust that what belongs to you, as you obey God, you will walk into those things. You just will walk into them. And they will be a blessing to you. Psalm 60. Verse 4, it says, Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee that it may be displayed because of the truth God gives you a banner to hang out you can hang it out anytime you want to you worship God your banner says I belong to Jesus don't mess with me huh? or child of God at home do not disturb hmm? Now a banner is, is, is something that has a, a, a significance, a covenant significance. A banner was something that was given as a token of that person's um, protection over you, that person's love, and that person's responsibility for everything that happened in your life. Say, for instance, uh, um you get married and your ring signifies don't mess with me y'all i spoken for uh i spoke for uh that's a type of a banner because it's an outward sign of a covenant that has a certain level of significance in your life and it is a stop sign to people who would want to intrude on your life in a way where that covenant's already covered your life a banner would be uh, like our flag, our American flag. And that means <clears throat> that the government stands behind uh, any place that this flag is displayed. It's a sign that this government and all the protective forces, all of the legislative forces, all of the laws are standing behind whoever displays this flag. And so the Bible in Song of Solomon, it talks about his banner over me is love. That means that God has held a flag over your life that says, I love this one. My love is upon this person right here, and I will protect this person. 
Very often in times of war, uh, different armies will raise a flag or raise the banner. Remember on September 11th, it was very important for those firemen to hang the flag over that, that site where the buildings, they try to destroy those buildings, and that meant that the government has seen this. And we plan an action to defend ourselves against this kind of. So hanging a banner means that you are in covenant when there, there is a power standing behind you that is greater and way beyond who you are. And see the people, and it says that, that there is truth there in the banner of God. Well, see, the people who don't want the war and don't want to defend this country and just want to go see if they can find a terrorist to give something to so he'll leave us alone don't have any understanding. They're trying to renege on the flag that's been held up that says that we stand behind our nation, that we're ready to defend our people, that we're not going to let you come over here and destroy everybody. So the anti-war people have no concept of standing behind, of having truth behind the hanging of the American flag. And the banner that's over us means that our government stands to protect our people, that our people are protected by our government. And so our banner is displayed in truth, the truth that the government stands behind us and that the government is not afraid of whoever the enemy is. The government stands to protect its people. And you want to live in a country that will protect you. You don't want to live in a place like Iraq where the people have been tortured and murdered by their own ruler. I mean, where are you going to go if your ruler is against you? What kind of country is that to live in where you have no peace and you could be killed or or you could be maimed for, for any reason whatsoever? So the banner of truth is over the people of this nation. And Psalm 85 and verse 9, it says, Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. So salvation is very, very close to us that fear the Lord. Why we complain, I don't know. Hmm? Complaining just draws trouble to us because we still can have what we say. You know what I'm saying? And the Bible says salvation is so close to us. If we would just continue to to worship God and thank him and bless his name and call upon him, salvation is close as your next word. It can show up and there can be a deliverance that would come. There would be a word of comfort that would come. There would be understanding that would come. There would be an answer that would come. All of these things will come because when you reverence God, salvation is very close to you. It doesn't take long for God to get your answer. It doesn't take long for him to bail you out. It's just that you've got to be in the, the, the right mentality of faith. You've got to understand that, that this is true for you. That God is very close and he wants to save you. He wants to pull you out. He wants to give you your answer. He wants to bless you. So these things are very, very close. Salvation is very near to us when we worship and fear the Lord. Psalm 103 and verse 11 says, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy 
toward them that fear him. Respecting God, respecting his servants, respecting his laws and his ways causes great mercy to come upon our lives. Now the Bible also says that God will have mercy on whom he'll have mercy and he'll pardon whomever he wants to pardon. But there is a way to assure yourself. Why would you be in the question mark category of he'll have mercy on whomever? That means you don't know who it might be. When you can put yourself in the secure category, (laughs) see what I'm saying, and assure yourself of God's mercy. Assure yourself that, oh God, I messed up here, I did wrong. But you know what? I'm not serving the devil and I don't fear the devil, I fear you, God. And I am your servant. And I've been, you know, pretty good for about three days running. Huh? I've, I've been doing pretty good here for the past few days. Huh? Well, unless you count, you know. <laughs> well, we can't count that one. But, you know, everybody have off day every now and then. God, you know. I be trying. Huh? But mercy is near to us. When we fear, it's very, very close to us when we fear the Lord. See, salvation is right next to us. Mercies, in other words, the Bible says He surrounds His beloved with favor. You know what a beloved person is? Is it? Come here, Clyde, my boy. We just like this all the time. Come on, beloved, huh? But that's a bosom buddy, huh? somebody who's very close to you and if God's close to you and he's drawn you close then everything he has belongs to you is close to you Mm -hmm. very close to you so we don't ever have to worry pray and wait two weeks for an answer come on y'all all this stuff is very close to us when you fear the Lord sometimes you can feel that boy if I, I I'm this close to what I need know what you need to do then? Just press in a little bit more. Worship a little bit harder. Bless him a little bit longer. Find out what thing you need to sow. What do you need to give away right now that's going to release that thing to you? Because it's that close. It's just one decision, one activity, one movement. It's one something right from you. Something else that you need to do obedience-wise that will bring it right into your midst and right into your possession. So that's a wonderful thing about the reverential fear of the Lord. <clears throat> Psalm 103:13 says, "Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him." Now that doesn't mean he feels sorry for you and say, "Oh poor thing." That 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 covenant word pity means to have compassion on and give favor to. So he has compassion for you and will give favor to you. If you love him and obey him and will worship him. Put God ahead of everything else in your life. And see, just dare to do that and see what might happen for you. See what might happen good for you. Consistently seek the Lord. Consistently worship him. Consistently give him first place. Consistently give him first, first time of your day. 
Now, before you get up and do anything for yourself or anybody else, just take a few minutes to thank God for waking you up. Thank God that I slept well last night. Thank God for a new day. God, I'm just thinking about you right here for a minute. What What are we going to do today with my day? Sometimes you pray in the Holy Ghost. Just pray in the Spirit a little bit before you get out of bed. Just acknowledge him that much. And see if your life, your day won't take a different turn, a better turn. You know, see if it won't go in a better direction. Just quit trying to plan stuff yourself. Your little brain. Hmm? (laughs) Let your little mind go to sleep for a little bit. I know it's hard to think. (laughs) The world can revolve without your little plans thrown in there. But you know what I'm saying. God's he's he's very much for us. He's very much wanting to help us. He's very much wanting to give to us. He's very much wanting to do the things that are necessary for us to live and have a good life. So he pities us. He is moved by what we're concerned about. The Bible says he'll perfect everything that concerns us. Anything that bugs you, he'll help that. Now, he may not, and I'm not going to go as far as to say he feels the same way you do about it. You see what I'm saying? Because he is touched, but he's not touched. Y'all know what I'm saying? He ain't extreme with it. He can, he can feel you a little bit. You know, he can understand where you're coming from. But he's not as intense about it as we are. And he's not as bummed about it as we are. And he's not going to just drop dead. Oh, God, if I don't get this. Climb the walls. You know, we talk about something like a hot dog or something. You know, we can get real dramatic about things. So, But that doesn't mean that God feels the same, the intensity that you do about things. But he's touched and he cares, okay? And that's what we need to know. Psalm 119. And verse 74 says, They that fear thee will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your word. When the word of God manifests in another person's life, those that fear God will rejoice and be glad with them. There's something about fearing the Lord that everybody else that fears God, you see them as a friend and not as a, an enemy or a foe. So when you see the word coming to pass, you will rejoice and be glad because you know that person has stood on the word. Or that they've hoped in God's word. And that makes you a partaker of it because then you're encouraged that God will do the same thing for you. You see God still working. Mm-hmm. And you see God still blessing people. He's still helping people. Then there's hope for me. I'm going to hold on. That will cause you to hold on yet another day. Because you see other people that hope in God's word. So we will be glad at the rejoicing of others who, who their hope is the Lord. Psalm 147 And verse 11, it says, the Lord takes pleasure in those that fear him. When you fear the Lord, you please him. When you do his will, you please him. When you trust him, you please him. 
there is a life of pleasing God that's a good life. Now, sometimes people don't think that's right, you know. Why should I have to please anybody? I just have to use my faith. Well, God has to have a feeling about something that you do in order to release something to you. He's moved by his own feelings and moods as well. The Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed people. He felt sometimes he was angry at the devil and he took authority over him. So he has moods and moves and all of that kind of thing too. We're made in his image. We're just awfully extreme sometimes in the way we see things. And we're not always righteous in the way that we judge things. But we're made in his image so God is and he's moved by his moods just like we're moved by ours. Hmm? So when he delights in something and see that should give us hope. We should instead of feeling condemned and I don't know about that. I don't know about delighting God. I mean what is that in the Bible? What delight mean? Huh? See we're scared to let God have feelings about us. Huh? Now part of that is the awesomeness of God part of that is the fear of the Lord but it's extreme and it's perverted when it's that way when we want to censor God and not let him feel like he wants to feel not let him judge according to what we do see we like to be judged according to what we think we're supposed to uh, we don't want to be judged righteously we want to always degrade on the curve uh, well how many got how many got them all right Oh Lord, they we done blew the curve. They blew the curve. Huh? Remember those kids, a couple of them? Always nerdy looking kids. And who got them all right? Huh? And you want to go outside the door and stick your foot out when they walk out. Come here, got something for you. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Great on the curve. And so, you know, it, that's, but that's sometimes the way we want God to judge. Cut us a whole lot of slack in the areas where we don't want to shape up. Hmm? And if we would shape up, life would be so much easier for us. You know, it's pitiful. Because whatever God has for us to do is going to be best for us anyway. So we might as well shape up because he's the one who gives us the power and the strength to do it. And the will to do it. He does all the work anyway. All we have to do is make the decision that we want to be pleasing God. So he takes pleasure in us when we fear him. You care enough about what God thinks about your life to do the right thing. Obey his word. Treat people right the way God says to treat them. And I mean not just in doing but the way you think about people. See there is an activity of hypocrisy sometimes that comes on the people of God. You know where they'll they'll demonstrate a certain level of kindness. But in their hearts they can still hold animosity. And see God judges the heart. He You can't fool him. And so when we start to. And see what will happen at some point is that you'll get exposed. Huh? What's in your heart really will be exposed before God and his people. And so we have to understand that it's more than just a a rote doing of things, but it's a heartfelt, genuine respect and love for humanity, all humanity. Weak ones and strong ones. Nice ones and mean ones. 
wicked ones and good ones, saints and sinners. We've got to have a genuine uh, uh, respect and love for all humanity. Proverbs 8. And the verse 13 says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now, when you hate everything that's wrong, shabby, wicked, evil, lazy, slothful, (laughs) vengeful, inconsiderate, hmm? pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth, the Lord hates. When you hate the things God hates and love the things God loves, that means that you, you're living in the fear of the Lord. You can't, we have to seek making, cease making excuses for that that we embrace when we see it in other people. Or that that we once embraced because we don't want to own up to, you know, we need to grow out of certain things. So when you take the attitude that God hates about uh, that God has about things and really you hate evil because you begin to love what's good see when you take on God's character and you take on his heart and you begin to love what's good then the hatred for evil will automatically come to you you don't really have to work on it sometimes you'll just have a a disdain for certain things and you didn't even know you felt that strongly about it Hmm? And you'll find that God has changed you on the inside. And suddenly you just have no patience and no tolerance for certain kinds of things in your life. See, There's a hatred for what's evil and what's not right. No matter who does it or who it's done to. Now as sinners, our hatred of, of certain wrong things depends on who's doing them. When we're doing them, we can, you know, I, I can understand that. Hmm? I know it's wrong, but huh? I don't do it as much as I used to. Hmm? <laughs> but God hasn't there. There hasn't come the real fear of God on the inside of us to the degree that it needs to. When we can still make excuses for that which we know is wrong, we just need to cut it out and let God take over and see where that will take us. But because we love good then we'll begin to to hate evil. That's what what ticked the devil off about Job. Hmm? Uh, the, have you ever seen a man like Job? He he hates, huh? He loves good and he eschews evil or he hates evil. And that's what got him into the test of, of Satan's power over his life. So when you begin to love good and hate evil, you'll have to wrestle against evil a little bit more. Hmm? Because then you become God's standard down here on earth. You're the one that evil has brought. And see, it happens because the enemy's trying to get you to embrace it again. Said, hey, what happened to you? You used to like this kind of stuff. Huh? So the warfare's on because he's always trying to get back into the same door that he used to occupy. And so that's why it's good that when you start walking with God, keep walking. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. I don't care if you don't like the direction he's taking you. Just keep walking. And eventually you'll get where God wants you to go. Proverbs 10 and verse 27 says, The fear of the Lord prolongs your life. The more you fear God, the longer you'll be around here. 
says, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. And iniquity is always being judged. Unbelief is being judged. Unrighteousness is being judged. There's a law against every evil and wicked work. There's a law against it. And at some point, the judgment that comes with the law will be handed out for that. So that's why it's good to walk in the fear of God and prolong your days. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness. So when you fear God, you take on his righteousness. And you know there's always going to be gladness ahead for you. I don't care where it is right now. You know, maybe right now you don't have a lot to be glad about. But it's for you. Hmm? And your future can be the next minute if you want it to be. See what I'm saying? The hope of the righteous is always gladness. So there's always going to be a joy that comes into you. There's always going to be a goodness or a good thing that comes into you. Because prolonging your days means that there are good things ahead of you. It doesn't mean prolonging your days on a respirator for crying out loud. You understand what I'm saying? When God talks about prolonging your days, he means in peace with all your faculties intact, nothing missing, nothing broken. Huh? 100% whole. That's what he means. Proverbs 14, verse 26, it says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. We we gave you that one already. Okay. And twenty seven, there's a fountain of life in the fear of the Lord. I'll give you a couple more. Ecclesiastes eight. And verse twelve says. <clears throat> Though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, let surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. You may see wicked people get away with murder for years. My advice is quit watching them. (laughs) Because your foot will slip. (laughs) when you view the prosperity of the wicked he says though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged let yet surely i know that it will be well that fear with them that fear god which fear before him in other words don't ever quit doing the right thing before god just because you see people who don't do the right thing get away with it so you think because mm-hmm. you don't have their their mind you don't know what they what kind of torment they live in you don't know what's going on the inside of them you don't know what their family life is like you don't know what anything is really like on the inside of them and what, there comes a point when we need to do the right thing because we know it's right to do see you don't know how much they know to do right Sometimes people don't know a whole lot of right stuff to do. Not taught. Sometimes the teaching doesn't sink in the way it's supposed to. We just don't know. 
So the the whole gist of this this whole scripture here is for you to quit considering ways to get away with murder with God. Mm-hmm. Don't let yourself get tempted to watch to see what they do and they don't get judged for it. Aubrey used to say, "I get caught everything I've ever done." He said, "I've never been a." He said, "I got cousins. They've done stuff forever. Even when we were little kids, they did stuff and could get it." He said, "I always got caught with everything I ever did wrong," which probably isn't true either. But you know, he got caught more than he wanted to. Put it that way. Huh? But it will be well with you. Huh? At some point, it will be well with you. You just keep doing the right thing because you know it's the right thing to do. And in Second Chronicles. Chapter 6 and verse 31. <clears throat> the fear of the Lord will cause us to walk in God's ways. There's a conversion that comes into your heart that will cause you to obey what God tells you to do. Whether it's hard or whether it's easy says that they may fear thee to walk in thy ways, so long as they live in the land which you gave unto our fathers. So the fear of the Lord causes obedience to whatever God tells you to do. You reverence and fear God. You know, that's why religion's so poisonous. Religion teaches us to treat God lightly or not to acknowledge him as reverentially as we could you know a lot of times when when religions have a bunch of sacraments or laws or rituals we get caught up in the ritual as obedience and we don't even look at god and what god thinks about it and we push god far away from the situation and we don't really consider him any time that jesus in the worship of him is not central to whatever ritual you have going on, you're lost in religion. And the reverence or the fear of God is pushed out of the picture. And the obedience to rules and regulations and laws and all that kind of stuff becomes the most dominant part of that, that religion. And that's all it is. It's just a, a man-made way of feeling that he's pleasing God. So in in most religious rituals, religious systems, there's no acknowledgement of God as the author of these things anyway. There's always the acknowledgement of the church is this, and the church believes this, and the church instead of God. And so you have to watch your religious content in the things that the reverential fear of God comes through a one-on-one relationship with him. Where you know you can go to God, you know you're accountable to God. You talk to God. He understands you. You understand him. You are taught his ways and you're taught his word so that you can freely go to God and and establish your relationship with him. And then that way, that's something nobody can take away from you. It's something nobody can hinder and that's something nobody can disrupt because you have free access into the presence of God and the mind of God and whatever he has promised you is yours in spite of what man ever says to you. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for the awesome fear of God that we know is in our hearts, Lord. And we just thank you so much, Lord, for showing us your covenant, showing us your mercy 
and showing us your great love that you have extended toward us. And we do worship you and we fear you, Lord. And we want to do everything that you want us to do, Father. We thank you so much for giving us understanding of how to please you and how wonderful our lives can be because we are pleasing to you in everything. So we thank you for it, Father. We lift you up and we give you back all praise, glory, and honor for doing such wonderful things for us. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise